Welcome to The World Transformed. All this week we've been talking about shifting realities. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. How are you, Stephen? Man, I'm doing great, doing great. Got, got to the end of the week. Uh, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you. And our realities have been shifting all week. We're going to end with a big shift here because we've, we, we talked a little bit on Monday about what might be causing people to look at reality differently than they have in the past and why some ideas about reality aren't as much fun as they used to be. And then Wednesday, we, we looked at the big driver, the engine behind it all, the, the meme machine, kind of, our, kind of our own brains, really, that are, that are making this happen. And I, I've become kind of a fan of this thing, the Mandela effect. I'm, I, we, we talked about it a little bit on Monday, this idea that we're slipping from, from one reality to another, except I don't think we literally are. I just think that to the extent that we only live in the universe that's kind of the narrative we're carrying around in our head, maybe instead of allowing one to be defined for us by following every outrageous clickbait news story that we see, we can start turning it around. Let's look at the news and see what the narrative that best describes what's happening in that news story might be. So. We yeah, thought it would yeah. be fun. And, and so, sometimes it can, uh, it can vary what the narrative it brings out depending on the person that's reading the story, right? So, well, I, that's know. the thing. Everybody's going to bring their narrative to it. And here's yeah, what, yeah. So let's, yeah, let's look here's what we're going to do. Okay. Is we're going we're gonna to read through some stories, and we'll, we'll discuss typical narratives and maybe what, what the optimal narrative would be. And I'm going to start with a good one here. This is what would appear to be a really good news story here. Israeli scientists may have found a cure for MS, Alzheimer's, Crohn's, and colitis in one single drug. So follow that link, read that. That's the kind of thing we talk about on the show all the time, obviously. Here's the thing. This just goes to show you that the cures are all around us, but, you know, big government, big pharma, they're working to keep all that stuff away from us and out of our hands, right? Well, why didn't we hear about this sooner, right? You know, most of the... (laughs) <laughs> Most of the time when these come up, it's some application of a drug that already existed. So <laughs> once in a while, one of these slips through, and suddenly everybody goes, well, they, they could have cured everything years ago, but Big Pharma wouldn't make their money then, right? That's what you're saying, Stephen. Is that right? <laughs> that's, that's it. That's like, the now, narrative. Of course, I'm not really uh, a subscriber of uh, a conspiracy theory way of looking at the world, but that's way, the way one person might look at it. There's, another, there's a better way of looking at that, right, Phil? I'm... Uh, let's, let's just stop. Not only is that one way somebody might look at it, I guarantee you that I'll get a comment eventually where someone will say that, okay? Oh, yeah. That... If, you, if, if you or I post this on Facebook, the sun rises in the east, I will get a comment like that when I post that on my Facebook. <laughs> you know? and, and here's the story, okay? So the narrative is yeah. that the government and big pharma would rather we not be healthy, that they have, a, yeah. a, they have a different agenda and that they would actually take steps to prevent us from I, – I can see where you might believe that it's just a big, ugly, stupid bureaucracy that isn't good at doing things. But you can take it to the next step and say, no, they're actually trying to keep us from being healthy, that they're actually they're, – they're working to cover it up. They're working to prevent – those good things from happening. And when something like this happens, it's just that, you know, a, a thing has slipped through the cracks and all it proves is how well they've tamped everything back down. That's the story. Well, you know yeah. what? That story sucks, okay? And I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's an awful way to look at the world. It's yeah. so depressing. You know, if that story is true, it's time for an armed revolt. But I actually, I don't, I don't think it is true. And here's another story that it supports. And this is a story that I think we have been unfolding 
over the last few years. And the story is that we, we live in an era where we're beginning to actually have hope for curing all major diseases, that we are developing new treatments and new techniques. At the same time, we're finding new applications for existing medications, and we're facing this possibility of making radical breakthroughs in material science and and other areas that are going to accelerate this, and that we're actually right on the edge of dealing with disease in a way we've never been able to before in human history, really potentially eliminating all, all of human disease. That we're, that, that's so, the story. unqualified good news in this particular story, but it's just indicative of, uh, of the things that we see all the time and we talk about on this show all the time. We, we laughingly refer to the cancer, of, the cancer cure of the week, right? And uh, not to you know, play down either the seriousness of the disease or the promise of the, of the new potential cure, it's just that that's the kind of exciting times that we find ourselves in, where there's, there's always we're, we're pushing back against these, uh, against these things that are stalking us, right, uh, these terrible diseases. So if you have the choice between those two stories, and it's a coin toss, which one is right? Just go with ours, okay? Uh, seriously, folks. I th- <laughs> you'll, you'll be happy. Really <laughs> I can't think of a reason to believe the other one, you know, unless it's true, but it's not true, okay? That's the thing. It's, uh, maybe, maybe they're both way off from reality, but ours is way yeah. better, okay? It's, uh, yeah, they, there's somebody right now uh, listening to this program, Phil, shaking in rage, saying that we're trying to put the sheeple back to sleep. That's but, right. We're know. working for Big Pharma and the government. My, my Big Pharma Obviously, check should be obviously. in the mail. Yeah, it should should be in the mail today. <laughs> well, I hope. Uh, yeah, I, I really uh, need well, that. I'll be watching. I'll be watching for it. Okay, yeah. uh, totally different uh, type of story here, and let's just see what the possible responses to it could be. Okay. Bill, uh, this is uh, trying White Castle's new impossible slider, and follow the link. If this guy uh, goes to the, a White Castle outside of Chicago. He, he buys several of these impossible sliders. They're vegetarian. We've talked about the impossible burger. The impossible burger yeah. is this vegetarian burger that looks, and they say, tastes like hamburger, right? That's, that's, right. that's the, He also the buys some regular sliders just as the control, right? And he uh, yeah. goes back and forth t- tasting them, and he uh, gives a pretty good review to the impossible slider. So tell me, Phil, how does this make you feel? Well, it just, it just goes to show you the progressives – can't leave anything alone. They have to destroy everything. Now we now they're bringing veggie burgers into White Castle. A great movie. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Now ruined forever. And <laughs> all fun is impossible now because they're bringing veggie, you know, vegetarian burgers into into White Castle. It just goes to show you that liberals won't leave us alone. They've got to control every aspect of our lives. First they bring their veggie burgers in. Then they won't let us eat real hamburgers. Do you see how it's going to work? And then they won't let us call them hamburgers. They're going to come up with a new pronoun to make us refer to them, okay? Because it's all just... Uh, can I have Z-burger? Okay. Uh, anyway. Uh... <laughs> right? Is that the story? I think that's the story that, right there. That's yeah. The, uh, yeah, that's the story. Well, we really don't think that's what this is, Phil. It's maybe a, uh, a milestone on the way to uh, doing something better. And, and my thought is that the day will come soon that we'll be able to go into White Castle or any other fast food restaurant we like and order a real burger that's real meat, but an animal didn't die to make it. Right now, there, there is reason to believe that that can happen soon, and the pr- price of these experimental vats of meat right, are going down, down, down. They're upping their ability to produce it. They, they're producing it in greater quantities. It, it will be 
comparatively priced with regular hamburger. And when it, ta- when it tastes as good and maybe is even more healthy and certainly better for the environment and it's also humane, you know, at some point, uh, even those of us who are uh, terrible uh, conservatives, perhaps, uh, in, in the way we live our lives, might go, hey, what's the point in buying this, uh, buying this other burger uh, made from feedlot animals, right, when I can buy this and it tastes just as good? And guess what? It's even got omega-3s in it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's better for you. Yeah. It's better for the environment. Um, no animals yeah, were hurt. So, yeah. But, uh, well, so, so, so no animals were hurt. Let's be clear. <laughs> and to me... The future of vat meat is that's when we'll have real burgers and steak. To, to me, it's like I, I'm not a big believer in the Impossible Burger. I mean, if they actually make it work, great. I, I look at it and I go, well, when vat, with vat meat coming down the road, that's going to be the real solution, right, where you can actually make that's real right, meat. Yeah. Uh, but, and this is going to offend some White Castle fans, I'm sure, but the slider seems like the perfect right venue for something that's almost meat, right? Because, I mean, that's kind of what a slider <laughs> is anyway, right? It's like this gray stuff on a dinner roll, right? You know, with, the, with some onions. And don't get me wrong, I love sliders. I'm a, I'm a big White Castle fan. But to me, this was the perfect implementation of the Impossible Burger. If you happen to order a single slider just to taste it, and you decide you don't like it, I mean, come on, you're, you're taking one bite, which means you've eaten half of it already, right? Right, so, that's right. So hey, you're, not out, you're not out much. Uh, well, plus you've joined the ranks of, what, tens of thousands of people who've had a White Castle and said, no, thank you, that's all I'll need. Thanks. <laughs> you know. Do they have White Castle where you are, Stephen? Is that a thing? No, they mm-hmm. don't. Uh, there, there are other slider restaurants. If I want a slider around here, there, there are places I can go. But, Do uh, you have Crystal White Castle, down there? White Castle has not. I need to call them sometime and let them know that the, the old Mason-Dixon line is not you know, really a different country. You know, you need, well, they're you not out here either. They're, they're, they're very East Coast, yeah. too. They're, they're, they're not a real... Uh, yeah. They're not in Colorado either, so the, but, I, I but everybody knows about it. As far it. west as Chicago and as far south as maybe Missouri, it's obviously a, a popular restaurant with those with those areas that they're in. So, yeah, yeah, bring them on down south, and I will try one of those impossible sliders. Now we uh, could tell a story about how they're elitists and they hate people like you, Stephen, but or they didn't want to. They decided to uh, you know go easy on other people and not inflict the slider on them. I, who knows? You know what the what the actual <laughs> story is. But here's our next story: Is the future of farming? Vertical. Tell me about this one, Stephen. I actually haven't followed this link. I haven't read this story. What, what's okay. The... Well, um, so uh, this is uh, this is about indoor farming, basically the vertical farms where you know you have racks and racks stacked up to the ceiling of something that's the size of a warehouse, right? Of food growing. Okay, so, so uh, this is the urban v- v- vision of farming, right? Where you take old that's business, urban buildings, or you build new buildings. You got and... you got a uh, you got you know water tanks on the roof and being gravity fed uh, hydroponically to the plants that are within the building. And the idea is that uh, it produces a lot of food. It's close to the people who need it. That's the idea. And so what is your interpretation of this, Phil? After being thing. Mr. Bad News on the White Castle, I'm sorry, I have to, I have to continue here and say, okay. Stephen, do we really want food that isn't even really food growing out in the sun and the air. I mean, come on, the whole beautiful picture of the family farm and the sun shining down and the breeze and the crops and the, the, the green leaves, and that's nice, okay? And this is just showing you that technology wrecks everything. It comes in and it takes something good and it turns it into a big industrial nightmare, and this is something out of Orwell or worse, and it's a horrifying bad idea there. How's that? So 
I, I'm to take it that the picture American Gothic is you and, and Soraya, right? That's right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's y'all Actually, right. did you know that's a father and daughter? That's not a, a husband. Is it really? I, I, to, I did not pick them in that picture. <laughs> they, they were both, both look pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> they do both look pretty old, yes. But, but again, uh, so but again, me and uh, Hannah, that, yeah, that basically. That lifestyle was hard on people. Yeah, they might have been in their twenties. You never know. But yeah, no, I'm saying you know the natural thing is good. This is not the natural thing, and so it's bad. It's probably a bunch of greedy industrialists who want to make money off this instead of letting things be the way they should be. Here's the problem with uh, farming the way we have. Okay, Phil, when you gotta you gotta you gotta till the the soil, which releases carbon dioxide. You've Mm -hmm. got to uh, you got to use herbicide. You got to use pesticide. You got to use a whole lot of water, and then uh, you lose lots of crop because they they don't grow at the same rate. This part of the field may may have matured earlier than this part, and so you lose a part of your crop in the field when when it comes harvest time. You you harvest it all, and some of it has to be thrown away, and then uh, you're not anywhere near the people you're going to be selling this to. So you uh, ship it across the country. Uh, that you know it takes a week to get into a supermarket somewhere. Yep. Uh, then people come along and buy it, and by the time they buy it and get it home, the useful life of the food is another week, and maybe, if they're lucky. Sometimes just two or three days before it's really going bad, and uh, so the, there's more waste there. If you can have a situation where it, it really uses about 1% of the water uh, to grow the same amount of food as before, mm-hmm. zero herbicide, zero pesticide, because you're almost in a clean room environment the way these right. are growing. You're not tilling soil, releasing carbon dioxide. You don't have a problem with, uh, with soil erosion and things like that from tilled soil. Basically, the amount of space that a factory like this would cover, you're, you're able to harvest four times as often in this indoor environment than you would in the fields because it's always a good time to grow crops in, in these environments. It's always a, the ideal temperature. It's always ideal humidity. They're always getting the ideal amount of minerals and uh, nourishment, the pr- plants are. Okay, let me and, uh, just summarize, Stephen. So mm-hmm. you're saying use 1% of the water, produce twice as much as, of the food, and have four times as many crops every year. And since you're also producing it right in the town where it's being sold, the amount of useful life of the food once you get it home means that it'll be less waste even there. You're not I leaving mean, you're half in the to... field, and you're not wasting yeah. half because it, it goes rotten before people get a chance to eat it. Okay, you know what, folks, you can think of what you want to about White Castles, or you can still believe that Big Farm is out to get you, but anyone who disagrees with vertical forms, uh, farms is just, you've got a bad narrative, okay? That's just, <laughs> <laughs> that story's going nowhere, okay? Because this is wonderful. Right. It, it's, it's wonderful for the planet, it's wonderful for people, and it doesn't mean that, it, that people can't have farms and raise stuff on farms and live in the country and all the great stuff I was talking about. It's just that maybe most of the food will come from from this setting, which will be more efficient and get more healthy food to more people. So that's a good thing. That's the kind of thing that that we believe in and like to talk about. So, okay, you know what? I think we, we demonstrated how this works, and I challenge you in the audience, do this, okay? If you read a story, especially if you read a story that immediately makes you mad, that immediately flips a switch, try interpreting it with a somewhat different narrative. And see if you don't feel a little bit differently about the things that are happening in the world. And we did a very simple black and white. There's this story or that story. You know what, Stephen? Let's do this again somewhere down the road where we'll show two or three 
I mean, three or four maybe possible narratives that a development can, can fit into, because there's a lot of different ways of looking at the world. And the simple black and white maybe are not the most helpful. But if you are going to just pick between the most negative and the most positive, give the most positive a thought anyway, folks. At, at least consider it, because you've been pushed in one direction way too long and way too hard. And it might be time to step back and take a look at the other side for a while. And with that, Stephen, we've made it through yet another week. We ran a little bit long on Monday, and just to make up for it, we ran a little bit long tonight. So I hope everyone <laughs> sees how that that's right. Oh, <laughs> how yeah. that works out. But it's great having you with us. We look forward to having you with us. We're going to be back next week with three brand new shows. Great talking with you, Stephen. Great having you all with us. And until next time, live to see it. Mm-hmm.